Welcome to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. I am your co-host, Tim Fredericks, along with my co-host, Fran Gavin. Uh, pleased to be with you here tonight in the studio uh, as we continue along with our programming that is curated by our doctoral students here at Centenary University. So I'm very, very pleased to introduce our three doctoral candidates who will be curating the show. April Friedman, Carrie Foote, and Tanya Nalsnick. I am turning it over to you, April, for the introductions. Today's show focuses on school leaders and shared service agreements. The state of New Jersey continues to encourage shared service agreements among governmental agencies, including school districts, in an effort to reduce costs, increase collaboration, and in some cases, improve the quality of services. Today, we have two leaders who have experience with shared service agreements between two school districts. I'm going to turn it over to my colleague, Carrie, for the first introduction of our guest. Thank you. So I am introducing our first guest, which is Nicholas Diaz. Welcome, Nicholas. A little bit about him. Nicholas spent time gaining experience as a principal in Somerset County for a few years before making his way to Hunterdon County, where he... Uh, was served as in a dual role as principal and superintendent of Union Township Elementary School. After two years, he then began a shared partnership with Franklin Township School District. He has been the superintendent for Franklin and Union Township for the past three years. And during this time, he has overseen the sharing of other roles, including the special education supervisor, as well as the curriculum coordinator. So welcome, Nicholas, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. And Tanya, can you introduce our second guest? Yes, I'm pleased to uh, welcome Corinne Steinmetz, Superintendent of Hunterdon County Educational Services Commission, ESC. She is a former Shared Service Business Administrator for Hunterdon County ESC and Hunterdon County Vocational School District. Mrs. Steinmetz possesses more than 21 years of experience as a business administrator, including a QPA or a Qualified Purchasing Agent. Her experience includes career and technical education, high school equivalency programs, adult and continuing education programs, contract services, including transportation, paraprofessionals, technology services, and cooperative purchasing. So welcome both of you. We're honored to have both of you with us tonight. I'm gonna kick off the questions and I would like to start with um, Mrs. Steinmetz. Can you tell us a little bit about what shared services entails for a business administrator? I know you have both that experience as um, personally as a shared service business administrator and from the ESC in placing business administrators as well. Can you share a little bit with us? Okay, sure. Thank you so much for having me this evening. It is definitely a pleasure to speak with you. and. To kind of start off to kind of give you how we got there. So with shared services, a lot of times it's driven by the needs of our school districts. And so Hunter County Vocational School District approached us uh, about six years ago. Uh, they had a vacancy. They only had a part-time business administrator there at the time, about two days a week, and was mostly off-site. And they were um, had a vacancy, so they had asked us to temporarily, which uh, kind of led into a, a five-year agreement, but to help out and so we could um, figure out where, where they were going to go. That was something, as an Educational Services Commission, we provide shared services on many realms, which you've entailed in my introduction as far as the different areas of um, sharing services. But in focusing solely on school business administrative services, 
that is an area that um, definitely um, needs to fit the needs of both districts. So in my experiences, in order for that to be successful, you need to be, have that ability to be flexible, be able to sort of manage multiple tasks at the same time. But the key to that is efficient staff. For any of our shared services to work, you really need key staff that are efficient, are willing to take on responsibilities um, and handle those day-to-day -day activities. That is what has been the key uh, benefit for us. And in doing so, we were able to share resources at both locations. So not only at the Hunter County Vocational School and at ESC, we're able to share different resources and models of work worked in our standard operating procedures. So whether you're talking about purchasing or transportation, payroll was another area that we were able to bring into the vocational school and share resources. That does save money, and exactly as you implied earlier, is it's a cost savings, but it's also that collaboration effort that you're able to do amongst school districts in identifying what are your best practices and then implementing those best practices at both locations, whether it's a filing system, whether it's how you're creating your list of bills, your payroll, your HR, and hiring new staff. We're able to collaborate and look at how both districts operated and take the best best practices at both of those locations and implement them accordingly. And then also being able to share your staff amongst each other. They, Our staff would sometimes not even go through me. They'd go right to my accounts payable, accounts receivable, individual at either location and work out better systems. So really having those efficiencies in place and people that are skilled and experienced and willing to take on those additional responsibilities is definitely is key. Um, so in our, in my personal experiences, then having that flexibility to adjust your schedule. You know, you may have a set schedule where you're gonna be each day, but you need to really be able to multitask and be able to kind of flip on a dime depending on what the high priorities at any given day, because each day can be very different. And I don't wanna be long-winded. I know we have some other questions that I'll hit on some of my other topics, but that's basically that flexibility and efficient staff is really key to overseeing all those areas of purchasing payroll, accounts receivable, accounts payable, your facilities and technology, all those things that happen out of your business office. Thank you. I think that's a great point that your staff actually is an asset in complementing that shared service model. That's a great point. Thank you. Carrie, I'm going to hand this off to you. All right. So this question is directed for uh, Nicholas. What does shared service entail for superintendents? So from your point of view. Yes, I would agree with everything Corinne said. If you don't have the staff who is able to support the work that's happening at both districts or more than one district, more than two districts, if that's the case, then it'll never work. I think to get there first, you need to have a clear communication with both boards that are involved as to what it's going to look like before you even get to that point. Uh, because from, from where my standpoint, where I was coming from, they were used to having the superintendent also be the principal. And so was Franklin. Franklin also had the same model. They had a superintendent principal model. So they were used to seeing their their superintendent on a daily basis. So it's getting used to that, that new role that the superintendent is not going to be there on a day-to-day -day basis and not be the face of the franchise per se. That'll be the principal's responsibility. So that's, I think, how we made that work is, again, communicating what we were trying to do. Uh, so we've, before we even got to the point where we ended up being shared, both boards are really great about having communicating the same message as to what we were trying to do, which was share a superintendent and organizational leader uh, to build capacity amongst the staff that were there. Um, we ended up promoting three teachers to principal roles, which is great, which is a great way to build capacity and that um, that culture in the school district where you're 
where you really are growing your own um, effective leaders. So that was it. So looking at a, a shared vision between the districts and communicating what that vision uh, was going to look like in the end was, I think that's the most important part. And then the nitty gritty pieces, like Corinne was saying, is that having that support staff uh, to make it work. Uh, we, we She touched on also the schedule piece. I know she knows one of the questions later on. That is the key is being flexible on a daily basis as to the work has to get done. So boards, both boards need to understand that where it happens isn't as important as the result of the work actually occurring. So yeah, I would, I would just say that that's the probably the basis that uh, for what, what it looks like on a day to day. And then, you know, just a question, how often does the vision between the two districts align? I mean, both of you kind of spoke about how the shared service agreement needs to be driven by the needs of both districts and it needs to be a good fit for both districts. But is it hard to get the vision between two districts to align? I would just say, yeah, it, not everything is replicable. So I know it's, it's easy in our minds to think, yeah, you know, I did this for unions, so now I'm going to do this for Franklin, but it's two different communities. So I think that has to be an understanding as well, that there might be times where you're able to replicate work it may not always be true. And there's things that are important to Franklin that are not as important to Union and vice versa. That that really needs to be understood by the superintendent before they go in there. It's not as simple as, you know, whatever I'll do for one, I'll do for the other. That's true for state reports. That That's great. That's a great part. But when it comes to the actual culture of the district, districts, it's not always true. And I, yeah, I couldn't agree more, Nick. That's exactly some of the key points that you addressed is absolutely your boards have to agree. Your staff has to agree. Everybody needs to collaborate and be on board that this is a model that's going to be successful. If any of those key players are not on board, you don't have that support in those initiatives that you may need along the way to really get you there. So despite you need approval from your you know, your county officers to even enter into a shared agreement before you even get there, making sure that you have the staffing capacity to fulfill the need and the support. Because when you're not in the office every single day, you need to be able to know that that, that department, that school, that organization can run on its own um, without you necessarily having to be on site. So typically that is where it's going to be most successful. But absolutely, when you start then looking at your different school districts and saying, there's a lot of things that you can interlap and go into different districts and utilize. However, there are a lot of areas that um, do not always align, whether it be the financial systems that you use or the student software that you use. Those are different and the willingness to be able to um, make those adjustments. So those are definitely um, making sure that everybody's on board is definitely key. I, I totally agree with you, Nick. You know, following up on that, what about your stakeholders, your community, the parents? Has that, did they weigh in on that? What was the feedback from the shared service among your communities? I would think Nick could probably address that a little bit better than I can. As an educational service commission, we're designed for that shared service. So our community is our other school districts, our board members throughout the county and overlapping county. So for us, that is what we're creating to do. Um, we may have had some input at the vocational school, but again, a lot of that was a service that they were receiving. So there wasn't too much, um, there wasn't really any um, concern with that arrangement. Um, so I think Nick may be able to address more the concerns that your community may have in saying, okay, if my superintendent's not here every day, um, what does that mean? And what does that look like? So I think that came again through through communications. So Union Township has two school buildings, the elementary and a middle school building. And I was previously the superintendent slash elementary school principal. And Franklin just had a K to eight built pre-K to eight building with a superintendent slash principal. So when I 
became promoted and I promoted two other teachers to principal roles, it was reframing the thought process of the parents that it's you don't come to me all the time for everything. And that that takes time and that takes patience for me and takes patience from them. And it's just it's again, you're putting the onus back on the principals and it's building them up to be able to have these difficult conversations with parents and to just be the, to become that face of the organization that they need to do. But it takes time. I think part of that, we leverage social media a lot. All our principals are really savvy with Twitter and Facebook. They put their face out there. So really, they people know who the principals are, even if they never stepped foot in the building, especially during COVID when you can't anymore. You know, they do video messages to the communities. So they see their face and they hear their voice. So they know who they are. I think that that's important, too, just for, for me. It makes my job easier when they know who the principal is. And that chain of command now is a little bit easier to explain to parents. Like, yeah, I know you're used to when I was the elementary school principal, but now there's, there is an elementary school principal now. So, you know, you go to her first and it took time and now we're out there. I mean, I, I don't get bothered as much, quote unquote, um, as I used to. And it never was a bother to, to answer questions, but it was just retraining and refra- reframing what the um, what the organization looks like. So, Mr. Diaz, do you want to just describe a little bit about how you entered into this shared service agreement? Like, how did these conversations start happening? Was it uh, one district more than the other? Did they both kind of approach you at the same time? It was a natural progression. So when I first, I started in 2017, when I first got on, Franklin Township had a superintendent slash principal, um, and they were actually, she was looking to move on, and they they started putting out feelers about shared services. So they actually emailed, I was part of an email chain that every K-8 to district got, hey, looking to share superintendent, anyone interested, basically. And my first year, to my board's credit union, they were open to it from the beginning, but in the end, we're like, listen, you you just got here. Let's get your, your feet a little bit wet here at Union Township before we start sharing you off with other districts. So they were open to it. And I totally understood I was, you know, I, I understood that too. I need to understand the union's culture and get immersed in it and serve that community before I can go off to another community. So that ended up being a two-year process. And what worked out for Franklin too was that they were open to continue the dialogue and they went with an interim superintendent for two years, which bought us time for me to develop uh, my leadership at Union and have that opening for whether or not it did happen with us or with somebody else. Franklin then had that time to explore both avenues. So they actually posted for a permanent principal or superintendent job and a shared service uh, agreement with any district that was open to it. And then after my second year, I think Union realized, okay, I think, I think um, you know, we're in a good spot where we can potentially talk about this more seriously. So we had a initial meeting with the board presidents and uh, the vice presidents the business administrator and myself, and they got to know me. And and I had to look at it too, as it is, is it a fit? I mean, I had a really great board and still do at union. And I had, it was almost like it was a double job interview. It was like, they were interviewing me and I was interviewing them. Like maybe it's not a great fit for me to go there. Uh, maybe they don't have the same vision and openness that union does, which fortunately they did. It naturally progressed where we felt like, Oh, I could really work with them and they could work with us. We have a similar values based um, system for where we want our students to be. And it just naturally worked out in the end. And again, the, the key for the communities were the board presidents were consistently putting out the same message. This is where we are in our process. This is what we're thinking. These are the benefits and not just costs being the benefits about what we put out the vision of where we could go in terms of aligning curriculum, um, having collaboration between our teachers, like we mentioned before, and having expanded opportunities for our students which we can get into a little bit later too. So we looked at the other benefits besides just dollars and cents. It seems, you know, simple sharing, especially like in our small hundred and county um, school districts, it seems, oh, you know, this would be great, but you really need to be all on the same page and have the same vision, um, which I'm sure is not always easy being in two different communities. So it's great that it worked out. 
Absolutely. Our experiences were similar at the vocational school as well. And back to what Nick said early on, it's really having those boards aligned, your vision to, to the end goals on the same page and working towards that. Other, everything else you can work out along the way, but you really need to have that joint end goal in mind. Um, and that really makes it work. Well, this is probably a great time for us to take a break. You've been listening to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. We will be right back. And welcome back to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University, continuing in our series of shows that are curated by our doctoral students. At this point, I will turn it over to uh, Tanya Nailsnick, who will continue the conversation with our very special guests this evening. Thank you. So that was interesting talking about how we um, entered into or how y'all, both of you entered into shared service agreements and, and, and in your communities. Um, speaking of that, so what does that look like as an average schedule? Um, what are your days? Do you split your weeks? Do you spend two days, one week, three days, another week? Or do you rotate every other day? Um, or, and what does that look like in terms of your agreement as well? We'll start with Mrs. Steinmetz. Okay, sure. So. I'll start off by saying no day is ever the same, um, but we really do try to have some sort of boundaries. So at least staff know when to expect you. So I typically would have two days a week in one district and three in the other. And staff would know when to expect me because a lot of times they would be working on things that are not necessarily immediately needing me that would generate a phone call or an email and would just wait until I would get there. So they would keep those types of things side. So typically when I would go to either location, my first thing I would do is make my rounds with staff and making sure there is no pressing matters. Um, sometimes there's a lot of just signatures and I would never want anything, something simple to hold up their process. So a lot of times that was one struggle is if I'm not there on an everyday basis and they're trying to move forward, I don't want my absence to hinder that. So typically I would touch base with all staff before I would, you know, jump into my normal routine of duties that needed to get done. Checking in with the superintendent in that case at the time I was the business administrator, seeing if there was any pressing matters. But typically it would just be making sure that all of our daily purchasing and orders are getting taken care of and handled, um, answering and responding to teacher inquiries, um, business office inquiries. As we were there, um, we did then start sharing payroll services, so making sure that is all being handled. And then also as a board secretary, making sure that our agenda items and our bank reconciliations and all of those day-to-day -day operations are getting taken care of. Um, but typically the most important thing I found was just really making sure that you checked in with everybody and that their day-to-day -day operations were running as smoothly as possible. Because what you find in that type of role is you do have key players that are in your offices on a day-to-day -day basis, making sure that everything is running smoothly. And back to my initial comments is making sure that those individuals uh, have the experience, the training and the knowledge that they need and the resources to get them. Because a lot of times you're not gonna know everything, but it's knowing where to go to get the answers to those questions. And it's our job to make sure that they have readily access to that. That's great. Mr. Diaz, would you like to um, share what your average schedule looks like? So it's evolved to us since the beginning when I first started, I had the unique situation where I had three novice principals and then me being new to the position on top of it, I felt like I needed to be visible just to make this work right off the bat. So I was split my days literally in half every day just so I would 
be visible at both districts uh, on a daily basis. So I would start, I would start in the AM in one district and the PM in the other, and the next day I'd flip-flops. I would do this for a long time in the first year. And then after that, like this year now, I've changed over to a two-day-a-week approach and two days for one, three days for the other district, and then I swap the following week. But as Corinne said, stuff happens or you, this one district might need me for a certain thing on one day and I'm, I'm flexible and both boards understand that you know so the agreement does say it's a 50 percent share and 50 percent time key is the boards treat me as a professional and then the other shared administrators and personnel as well we treat them as professionals and we know that they'll make up the time so that's what we do so i, I keep a log and i'm transparent with my um with my personnel they know where i am um they know what the plan is and they know if the plan shifts that okay i'm going to be in the other district and and that's okay it's we're all transparent and professionals in that way i think it's the only way that it that it really works if because if if they're really gonna if that if they don't know where you are uh that that'll just cause animosity and frustration amongst the staff that's when the shared service will start breaking down when there's not that communication and transparency i like the idea of uh, the log that's interesting um especially with your agreement being 50 50 percent so it sounds like um and mr Steinmetz, maybe you could share a little bit each contract's different have you seen um additional contracts that even differ from this as much as contracts can be different, they're more different in how they are processed. Typically, when you're sharing a business administrator, you're sharing a superintendent, the contracts are pretty standard. You need to make sure that all the roles and responsibilities of both of those positions are taken care of. However, who is actually doing the day-to-day -day services, it really is dependent upon your staff and their qualities. And typically, as you're a professional, you're then overseeing that all of those activities are getting done. The differences that I have seen is when you're looking at uh, business office, uh, school business administrator, sometimes you're a business administrator shared, sometimes it's the business administrator slash uh, board secretary, which does add some uh, additional duties and responsibilities. But typically the actual oversight responsibilities are the same in that you are still making sure you're covering all of your purchasing, food service, transportation, facilities. I always like to explain it is it's everything that has everything that has to make a school district run but outside of the educational curriculum piece so you still have those overlining contract responsibilities that are in both districts it's just a matter of how that rolls out that may be different thank you i think too depending on your role kind of like you both mentioned i'm sure this your schedule could look very different um you know superintendent shared business administrator i'm sure it's very common with the assigned days but of course knowing that things can come up at any moment um i was a shared instructional coach for one year and that schedule was very much more erratic just based off of the teacher's needs but i do think it comes down to like nicholas said trust when you're in a shared agreement you have trust from the board from the community and from your staff that you know you're going to be where they need you and at the same time you're going to be visible and getting your work done for both districts so thank you for your insight with that um so our next question is what are the advantages for a school district to enter into a shared service agreement nicholas do you have um insight into that sure well the first obvious one is dollars and cents right so for the superintendent position they're literally taking my salary and benefits cutting it in half now they've literally shared 50 they've uh, saved 50 percent of salary and benefits for the superintendent between both districts that's it and then you multiply that times all the people that we are sharing significant cost savings there but it can't that can't be the end-all be-all for it if we're talking about districts like such as that are in Hunterdon County, Warren County, these smaller districts that have typically under 500 students, maybe one building, 
and our students typically are in either have one section of a per grade or two sections per grade. Uh, there's not a lot of diversity of thinking. There's not a lot of interaction with students outside their normal circle. We make this joke all the time. The good thing about Hunter County Schools is that they're small, and the bad thing is that they're small, right? Because we have that times where we have students who drive each other crazy, and we can't do anything with them because there's one, only one section per grade in a small in one certain school. So we thought about that. Like, if we have other opportunities for our students, like we do our summer programs that we have in our athletic programs, we combine some athletic programs just to have them be able to run, um, which has been a benefit. Where now Franklin and Union kids are able to interact and and in a way that they may not have ever been able to do in the past and even academically with our summer programs and students being able to collaborate academically um, that's been a benefit that we didn't anticipate right away and then for teachers the same the same thing goes for our teachers i mean if we have one section per grade who are they collaborating with there's no articulation really happening per grade level um, but if you have two schools that are, have a similar relationship and their curriculums are aligned um, that's a great way for our teachers now to, to build their capacity as teachers and build their professional knowledge. Now we have other teachers that they can draw from. Um, so that's been another benefit. Uh, I mentioned the aligning of the curriculum. That's we, We've been working on that since Carrie was the instructional coach slash curriculum coordinator we, or supervisor. And we continue to build upon that. And the importance of, of that is not only for alignment, but for also we're preparing our students for North Hunterdon. If we have a similar, two similar districts now that are on the same page preparing students for North, that's only gonna help them in their high school career and beyond. So that's another benefit that comes from the shared agreement. Um, and there, there's, there's many others, but I think those are some of the ones that just come off the top of my head that it's not just financial savings. Um, that's a great point of it, but it can't be the only thing that you're looking to do. I totally agree, Nick. I find that financial savings is typically what starts the generating conversation amongst the boards because we're all looking to find ways to save dollars. However, what you find is when you start entering into them, you start collaborating amongst your districts, you find so many other savings that may not be tied to financial, but definitely maybe to time and resources. So when you're looking at staff and when you're, whether you're sharing in the business office or you're sharing you know, as a superintendent or in your curriculum office, there, you have that shared knowledge, you have that shared resources. So you're taking the knowledge and the expertise in two or more districts and actually on a regular basis collaborating and saying, you know, like the simple things as far as the purchasing manual. Why duplicate efforts if they already exist? So when you're looking at that at two different districts, you're able to utilize each other's resources. You may you may alter them based on your specific district needs and the cultures in each of those districts. However, you're at least starting with a template and why duplicate all those efforts? So it definitely stems well beyond just the final aspects in those shared resources. So, um, you know, I really can't elaborate much more on what Nick has already said, but it's definitely you find a lot of areas is, hey, did you try this? Because this is working over here. And you start those communications before you know it, you have both district staff talking with one another in, in trying to improve their daily operations. Yeah, thanks for um, sharing because I think many of us do just uh, think about those uh, financial and fiscal benefits, but the additional opportunities for students, as you mentioned, and collaborative opportunities for staff and teachers to work together, like those are definitely some advantages for districts. Um, but having said that, what are some of the challenges you've encountered in a shared service agreement role? Uh, Maybe uh, Mrs. Simons, we'll start with you. 
Sure. So just as we said, you have those shared resources, you only can share those to a certain extent. Um, as Nick has elaborated uh, earlier, sometimes you know, your direction and how you're getting places are different. So you have multiple boards. So each district has a different governing board. So with that, obviously, you have different goals and different and results that are individualized for those districts. So although it's, it's a challenge as far as you're everything is not aligned. So although you may have this common vision, your goals and your individual opportunities for each of those districts um, are unique. So with that, you have multiple policies, sometimes different procedures, different systems. So for us, we had different financial systems. You know, and I, I was in a point where the staff was very comfortable for what they were working with. So I didn't have a problem using two different financial systems. But there are challenges with that as well. You can't share those same resources and trainings and things like that. Different policies and procedures, separate reporting for each district. Although the requirements are the same, you're doing everything twice because they are different. They are still separate and distinct districts. You're not combining as a whole. You're not combining your boards. You're not combining all of the uh, required uh, background and policies and procedures and things. So those are not necessarily challenging, but more time consuming. You're kind of restricted on where, how much you can share when you do still have different uh, parameters that you need to follow, um, but they're all manageable. Uh, Mr. Diaz, what about in your experience, uh, any difficulties or challenges you've encountered in your shared service role? <laughs> yes, definitely. I I think, I think part of the understanding is while it's a shared uh, relationship and a shared position, the work doesn't cut in half. It's not, it's not like half work now. It's actually double the work. So I think that anybody who's going into a position like this needs to understand that you're going to be doing more work than you have in the past. And I, my family has to understand that, which they do, which is why I would never have taken the, this role on if they didn't. Um, actually, one of the good things that came out of the pandemic was Zoom. Because we had two two separate committees, like Corinne was saying, we have two different boards, and we operate under a board of committees. So we have a policy committee, we have a curriculum committee, personnel, so on and so forth, at both different districts. So prior to the pandemic, I was having four or five late nights per district um, just on board meetings. And with the pandemic came in, now we were meeting in Zoom. It's made it a lot easier for at least the committee meetings. Now I'm only out twice or night just for board events um, for the for the normal board meetings. And the committee ones I can do over Zoom, so I can be in my room uh, at my house and then run downstairs and have dinner with my family. So the, some of those things have come out, which is, has been a benefit. But I think that needs to understand it's double the work um, for anybody who takes this on. It's okay though; it's it, it, as long as you have that that staff who can support you and you have those efficiencies in place. Though, like Karen said, it's manageable, but it, I don't want to paint a complete rosy picture where it's everything's great all the time. It's challenging um, to say the least. That's one of the challenges there. Well, thank. Thanks for sharing uh, some of these challenges. And I know I'm probably speaking on behalf of everyone who's listening to this right now that we definitely have an increased uh, respect after hearing kind of some of your day-to-day -day responsibilities and some of the challenges and the workload um, that both of you have or anyone in a uh, leadership role amongst uh, shared organizations have. So thank you so much for your dedication and uh, your leadership skills in that area. So building off of of the difficulties of having a shared relationship. Are there any improvements that you would recommend? I mean, I know there are certain things that, you know, 
two separate boards or two separate boards, but is there anything that you would think would make your job a little bit easier, either a superintendent or business administrator? So I would just say, I think there has to be a ultimate vision as where do you want this relationship to go? If it just, if this relationship is just going to be shared forever, I don't know how sustainable that is if I'm going to be completely transparent. I think eventually there's going to come a point where our staff are now spread too thin um, and there's like no more people to share. And there's just, what are we doing? Um, if we can't, like Corinne said, we can't replicate everything. We can't, we will have two different boards with two different visions. I think if I had to improve anything is while regionalization and consolidation is oftentimes controversial and it takes a long time. I think both boards need to be open to that as well. So if you're open to the shared service agreement, that's step one, that's great. But I think ultimately you need to look at, is, the, is this the first step in a larger step where the district or districts involved become one? Um, I think that that'll be the ultimate way to help people to see, oh, there's a light at the end of the tunnel where we're gonna become one district, uh, where our work is gonna be uh, validated in the end that we're doing this, we're taking the best of district A and the best of district B, and making the best district from both of them um, in the end. I think that'll be helpful for anyone who's entering to these agreements. Absolutely, I couldn't say it better. And I think we're running out of time, but I think the key here is really making sure that both boards, both staffing on both sides are in a team effort approach and collaborate all, on the, all along. Keep revisiting it. Well said, Corinne. And this is a good time to take a break. You've been listening to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. We will be right back. And welcome back to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. Continuing along in our discussion about shared services with our two very special experienced shared service administrators, let me toss it right back to our doctoral student, Tanya, to continue the conversation. Tanya? Thank you. It was a great conversation about the positives and negatives. I can definitely uh, share from my own experience with the shared uh, service, um, having worked in a district with the shared service VA, that it's beneficial to the staff. So I really enjoyed hearing about how um, you, you utilized your staff and the experiences. I know it opened up opportunities for professional development for myself, So um, and, and I couldn't um, speak highly, more highly of that. So moving forward, what um, recommendations would you have for future uh, business administrators, Mrs. Steinmetz, who may um, have the opportunity to fill a shared service position? Excellent question. And I think it really stems back to one of the things that we've been themed throughout this conversation is that you really need to explore what each district is looking for. Is this going to be short-term? Is it going to be long-term? And do we have the capacity to fill the needs? If you have two districts that are working very well, um, you have staff in place that are able to run the operating daily operations, you're going to be in really good shape. If you're one person that you, they want to come in and fix a lot of inefficiencies, you're going to have to know that going in because you're going to need to make sure you align the right staffing to support you in order to do that. So I think it really stems back to really do your homework, make sure that this is something that everybody is in support of, make sure you know the history in each of the districts, you have talked to the superintendent, talk to the board members, talk to those that are in the offices and really make sure that this is something that you're going to be able to support. Because once you're in there, the last thing you wanna do is 
not do a good job. You want to make sure that you're prepared. And as Nick was saying earlier, it is everything is duplicated. You are going to be working even more than your already full-time job that you're doing because you have two full-time jobs that now you're trying to oversee. So you need the support. You need the support from your board. You need the support from your superintendent and or other administrative staff in really making sure that this is successful. And as Nick alluded earlier, you need support from your family because there are a lot of night meetings. There are a lot of times that you're not available and you have to be okay with that. This is not something for everybody. So I would encourage people to talk others that have done it so that you know what works, you know what to expect, and some things that you can put in place to help you along the way. And I cannot say enough that really making sure that you have efficient staff, make sure they get the professional development they need to really surround yourself with good, talented people and recognize those that are able to get some additional training that can are interested in learning other areas because that has been a wonderful opportunity for us in that it has allowed our staff in both districts to explore other areas beyond their normal day-to-day -day responsibilities. And most people enjoy that. They like new challenges and people will step up and really help you out along the way. And it then becomes a win-win situation for both districts. But again, you have to be able to put in the time, energy, and training for your staff to make sure that you can get to that point and know what that end goal is. Is this short-term, you just buying some time until they find the right person, or is this a long-term endeavor? Because you are gonna approach that two different ways. I like that. And then it, it really it echoes to that um, when we talk about that climate and culture, you're right, when you have contracts in place and you've hired personnel, those little additional things where you send them to a training to give them that opportunity to earn a, a credential um, can go a, a long way. So, and that I think um, gets lost in some of that shared service when we talk about cost savings. Um, it's not just that, but also it can actually improve the climate and culture in your district when you are um, trusting and giving opportunities for development. So thank you. That was great. Um, Mr. Diaz, what, do, do you have any uh, insight with this? Yeah, I mean, Corinne hit a lot of great points. Uh, the only thing I would add for superintendents who maybe are looking at this is to just to be open to it. So between Hunterdon and Sussex and Warren County, there are countless schools that are small districts that could have an opportunity to take advantage of shared services between them for superintendents. Uh, so I think the first thing is to be open to it and not just to count it out because it's gonna be more work or more difficulties. There's There are benefits to it. I, I painted that picture before because I wanted to just be realistic for, for anyone listening, um, but there are many rewards to doing it. Um, as Corinne said too, as well is I, advice I would give is to hire the right people, right? I, I love Jim Collins and getting the right people on the bus and then getting out of the way so they can drive the bus to their where it needs to go. And that's what we've done um, at Union and Franklin. Having It's been exciting for me, I got to tell you, to, to hire new principals and new staff is actually a lot of fun and exciting. Um, you know, there's some bumps along the way because they're, they're new and they're learning themselves. But for me, I mean, I've learned a lot from them as well, just getting new fresh eyes on things and from a new leadership perspective and seeing, I mean, all three of them are so enthusiastic and, and have great ideas and, and communicate well. They, they keep me um, wanting to be better and having to be better because 
they're really great at their job. So I think that that actually is is great for any superintendents who are listening who may be considering this is you might be able to change to a new role that you weren't doing in the past and you might actually really enjoy it and being able to to build something um, that could really impact your community and your students ultimately that's what we're here for can be great. I think that's a great point and you mentioned Hunter and Sussex and Warren and the populations are definitely in our school districts smaller. Do you uh, envision that this continued shared model service will continue to grow? I think so. I mean, the, the push is there for shared services. Um, I think what, what's lacking right now is incentives. Uh, there's a small financial incentive for superintendents and business administrators to do this. I got to tell you, it's not really, if it's not, it's what it is right now. If that's the only thing that's not going to sway someone to do it, if it's just based on financials, so I would say that like, if you want to incentivize it, make it more incentive um, based and, and really help support the districts in doing it. Because you want, if you want districts to do it, but then you're not offering any support to those districts for doing it other than a stamp of approval, it's not going to really grow. So, for example, like the superintendent who share between uh, two districts, they can get a financial benefit from it. But the one who foots the cost ultimately are the two districts who are sharing it. So if the state is really wanting this to happen, why wouldn't you give money to those districts to support them? instead of just saying, go do it. Uh, that's just one one recommendation if there's any legislators listening on, on today's show. <laughs> I agree. There was a 2019 study and initiative uh, with some small funding behind it, especially with small communities. Um, but that continued push, uh, hopefully they'll be listening and, and kind of uh, think about that for future. Mrs. Simons, where would you see that that would benefit in the business administrator role um, where where school districts could expand out in those shared services? Sure, I do see districts doing a fabulous job and really trying to share. This has been an area of really trying to stretch every dollar that you have. And I believe districts have been doing a great job, whether they're reaching out to the local municipalities, to other school districts, from everything from snow removal to transportation to purchasing. There are so many areas that they have been doing a really great job. I do think that it will continue to be explored. Uh, one of the, the areas that I would like to explore further. Now, as I'm sort of switching roles as superintendent here at 100 ESC and having the experience as being a business administrator, I do see the advantages, especially in the business office area. So maybe not sharing a business administrator or stretching them too thin, I do see a lot of areas of growth in the business office role, whether it be accounts payable, accounts receivable, payroll, and all of purchasing, all of those areas being able to share across more districts. The challenge there is back to where we said those daily challenges are, where you have different systems in place and different practices and procedures. So if we can start trying to get our standard operating procedures in line with each other, we would be able to centralize that a lot more efficiently. And I do see that as an area of growth and opportunity. I don't believe it will happen overnight. I believe it would happen more in a transition, you know, not looking to say, okay, we're going to wipe out all these business offices, but as there is continuing to be short staff 
in a lot of districts um, across all programs. But when you're looking in the business office, I do see that as an area of opportunity, whether it be payroll, whether it be purchasing, and really being able to streamline those opportunities um, and be a little bit more efficient. So that is an area that I continue to look at and seeing if that's something of an opportunity that would be beneficial to our districts. Great, thanks for sharing. So kind of just in closing, one last, um, something, one last thing to consider. Um, Mrs. Steinmans, maybe we'll go to you first and then uh, Mr. Diaz. Is this something you would recommend for other school districts to consider? And if so, what might some entry points be for other districts to um, look into exploring shared service agreements? Uh, it really is um, make sure it's a good fit for the individual, for the boards. I think Nick and I have both um, stressed very strongly that make sure that it's a collaborative effort and everybody is on the same page. Being able to make sure you are able to hire the right staff, get them the great professional development to really be able to support this and grow as that shared initiative. Because once you're in there and two districts are shared, and I'm sure Nick experiences as well, you find other opportunities to share. So whether you're talking in the business office and then you start sharing among payroll or accounts payable, accounts receivable, or you're talking as a shared superintendent and now you're sharing your child study team members or sharing teacher assistants or other speech therapists and other areas that you have those opportunities you're now the longer you're in both of those districts or multiple districts you start to find ways to be more efficient um, and as you grow your staff and they become more efficient the more people are are vested into that collaborative approach and making sure that this works. So it's really just making sure that, you know, it is a good fit, um, making sure the boards, the staff, the individuals providing the service are all on board. And I definitely think it's opportunities that are worth exploring and for people to go in, just understand what you're getting into and that you put the right resources in place along the way. I don't know, Nick, if you have anything to add to that. Yeah, not much. I mean, that was great, Karina. and I, I would just, Piggyback off what you're saying, I think the conversations for anyone listening, if they're trying to, if they're open to this, is to start from within. I don't think any board should impose this on a superintendent and say, oh, by the way, District B is only three miles away. I think we're going to share you and it's going to be great. If you force it on a superintendent like that, it's not going to work out in the end. It's going to brew animosity and uh, there's not going to be any buy-in and it's just not going to work out. So have the conversation from within. Um, and the boards have to look at their leader that they have in place. Not every leader is cut out to be, doesn't have the per has a personality for, for something like this. Um, and that's okay, it's not a knock on them, it's just personality-wise. So just, they have to understand what their leader's skills are and what they are great at and what their ultimate vision for that superintendent is. Um, and then vice versa, if that superintendent, if it's coming from him or her, they need to look at their boards and, and see, are they open to this? Don't force it on the board where eventually they're gonna, have animosity on you for not being there as much as they want you to be. So the conversation really has to start from within and, and a vision, a shared vision has to be created between the board and the superintendent of that district before you go on to another district and, and start having to have those conversations as well. And then once it's there, as Corinne said, it has expanded. I mean, we started with just sharing myself and now we are sharing nine staff members between both districts. So, I mean, it, we've, and it would never have happened had I not been in that in Franklin. I never would have seen those opportunities um, by not being in there. But now that I'm there, I've been able to see those things and recognize them and have the staff that I know are capable and willing and able to do the work and do extra work um, 
and for the sake of our ultimately our kids so it's been that far has been very rewarding Nick, a very good point you said was not for everyone. And I think that's very important to understand. You really need to have a certain personality, as you said. You have to be flexible. You have to not, you have to be willing to have things get done, not necessarily your way. So there's multiple ways of getting activities done and having your end result. It doesn't necessarily have to be your way and you need to be okay with that as long as the work in the end is getting done efficiently and accurately and i and not everybody is able to do that and that's that's okay that, that's okay if you're not that type of person so I, and that stems also then to your staff not everyone that works for you is going to want to jump over into another district and and help out it becomes they become stretch too thin. So you really have to make sure that not only you as an individual can handle this, but again, you have those individuals in place. If you're expecting them to also be a share, that you give them the supports and resources they need to be successful. Because if they're starting to feel stretched too thin or overwhelmed, it, it's not gonna work in the end. So I think that is a very important part is to know yourself and know the districts in which you're going to be providing those shared services for to make sure it's a good fit for everybody. Yeah, yeah, I think it, it was reminding me again of getting the right people on the bus and in the right seats that, that was mentioned earlier. I did just want to ask a follow-up question because like you said, you know, it needs to be the right fit. Not everyone's either cut out for it or, you know, wanting to do something like this. Have either of you uh, had to deal with a situation where you were hoping someone would be shared and it really didn't turn out quite as you had hoped or they weren't on board? Um, and if so, how did you kind of handle that? So I deal with this on multiple levels so we have staff that sometimes if i really handle that is in approaching it to them just as i would have been approached in a shared opportunity we have this opportunity and you will find that you have staff that are that want that challenge they like those experiences they want growth they're looking for more they want to up their career whether i have a payroll administrator who wants to become a business administrator I'm giving that individual as many opportunities as they possibly can to learn other areas of the business office. And then I have staff that want to continue to do their accounts receivable and payable, and they don't want to expand beyond that outside of other, and that's okay, because you need that staff to keep that district successful. So I think it's a matter of knowing your staff and not limiting, limiting your shared opportunities it's just making sure back to what you're saying making sure you have the right people on the bus and in the right seats in in identifying those individuals and making it a team decision because as nick said earlier the last thing you want to do is force somebody to do these shared services and then they become resentful burned out and you're not going to be successful in the end so there's always those opportunities and there's always opportunities with your staff. You just need to find those that really want those added challenges. Well, thank, thank you goodness. so much for your time and uh, sharing your insights regarding, uh, regarding shared service agreements this evening. Well, thank you all very much. Uh, thank you, ladies, April, Carrie, and uh, uh, Tanya, very much for uh, getting uh, Nick and Corinne to come in and talk about this very timely topic. You've been listening to Leadership Matters on WNTI.org, the voice of Centenary University. Good evening.